You're listening to She Said What with your host, Alyssa Harper. Hello, sexy people. Welcome back to She Said What. If you guys have never listened to the podcast before, then I just want to welcome you, however you are, whoever you are, whatever's going on in your life, you are welcome into this space. And I'm so excited to have you here. This is really a podcast to help you grow and learn about yourself and become the best version of yourself. We touch on so many topics like sexual wellness and relationships and personal growth, confidence, self-care, self-love, all of these things that make you better and give you a better relationship with yourself. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about sobriety. And this isn't an episode about how you need to become sober and how alcohol is the worst thing in the world. It's really an opportunity for you to assess your relationship with alcohol. And you can apply so many of the things that we talked about in this episode today in your everyday life. Um, I'm interviewing Millie Gooch and she runs something called the Sober Girl Society, which is this beautiful community of people that she has brought together over the last few years. And it's just so, so cool. She talks as well about being sober curious, which I would actually put myself in that space. And so I really related to this episode and I felt like the interview was just amazing and I learned so much from her. You're going to learn what all of that means in today's episode. Um, That's just a chance for you to reflect and see how your relationship with alcohol is either serving you or not serving you. So let's get right into it. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome, Millie. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I like, like I said, guys, I found her recently and I went all the way through her socials and I did like the biggest deep dive, the biggest like creep. And I just was obsessed. And I was like, guys, we need to have her on the show because you're going to learn so much. And I can't wait for you to hear her story because everything that I've seen has inspired me so much and has taught me so much. And I think that you guys deserve that. So Millie, can you give us like a little bit of an overview, like tell us about the Sober Girl Society and what that is? Yeah, of course. So Sober Girl Society was something that I set up when I was seven months sober. So that was in 2018. I was 26. I had given up alcohol because of the effect it was having on my mental health. So I was your classic party girl, binge drinker, and, you know, would suffer with my hangovers for like three days. It was having a knock-on effect for, you know, anxiety, depression, all of those fun things. And yeah, when I stopped drinking, I kind of looked around to see what support was out there. And there was only really the option of AA. And I, I know a lot about AA and uh, I have loads of friends who have been through the program, swear by the program. But for me at that time, it just didn't feel like the right fit. Um, but regardless, I kind of wanted to find other people, you know, meet other people who were like me. And uh, I couldn't really find anything, to be honest, for young women. So I decided that I would set up Sober Girl Society. I thought it could be a place that, you know, we could chat about non-alcoholic wine or sober dating. And yeah, it just it just escalated. So it went from like, I don't know, I thought there'd be like five of us to I think it's now at 187,000 followers, which is just crazy, crazy to me. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, I like that is something that I thought was so cool to you right away was I was like, you're not just posting about it. You know, you're not just being like, this is like day number blah, 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 of like being sober. And it was just your journey it was like, seeing the community that you formed and like, even just the reels on your page of like, like a big room of all these people that you've brought together. I was like, this is so cool. Like that is truly what it means to like, foster community and so like kudos to you because that is incredible oh thank you and I also wanted to say I 
I love that you went through that journey for seven months before you like jumped on and like did this thing on social media. Like, I think it's cool that, you know, you had that foundation and then you went into social media doing it. But I wanted to ask you when you started doing social media and started talking about sobriety online, were you scared to open up about it? Like, did it feel daunting? Yeah, it did. And so I actually didn't put my face on Sober Girl Society until I had 10,000 followers, which is crazy looking back because I just, I didn't really want to be the focus of it because it felt, and I think it's amazing that people do share their journeys early on. But for me, I was really wrestling with a lot and navigating a lot and Mm. trying to work it out in my own head before I put it into the world. And I think, so when, yeah, when I started it, I, I was seven months over but I still never really wanted it to be about me I just wanted to meet other people and I thought it'd be a nice space to talk about things I followed kind of communities at the time that had like a shared purpose of whether it was you know body positivity or veganism and I just thought it'd be really cool if there was like a club for like young cool sober girls so yeah I started it and then didn't didn't put my face on and after 10,000 followers I started getting like a lot of dms I started getting requests to appear on like panel talks and podcasts and things and I was like oh I think I'm actually gonna have to put my face on this now because people were like who's even behind this account (laughs) everyone's who's like who's the mystery woman like who is she yeah yeah it's just like this being that no one knows totally and when you started doing that do you feel like people just latched on I guess more than you thought they would like did you not expect a response yeah, no, I, di- I didn't think I didn't think anything was going to be as big as it was. I never thought it was going to like turn into my full time job. I never thought I was going to write a book about it. Like I just yeah. I, looking back, I think because I, I knew that I needed something like that. And I think they always say, like, if you need something, then there's likely other people who need it, too. But at the time, I felt like the only person in the world who was like doing this thing. And then now, like five years later, it's it's becoming so much more normalized and like it's just growing and growing it it hasn't you know ever got to a point where I'm like oh I think that's it now everyone's joined it's just it just <laughs> keeps going which is great yeah oh, so good and I wanted to ask you let, let's go back now let's talk about um your journey with it like how did that start how did you know that you wanted to become sober like when did you get to that point where you were like okay this is actually something I want to do yeah, so I, I really started drinking when I was 18, when I went to university. So we've got a big university drinking culture in the UK where it's kind of just expected. Like, And I'm sure it's the mm. same in a lot of places that you don't really feel like you ever have a choice. It's just, yeah, I'll go to uni and I'll drink. So I really started drinking at university and I, it was just something I did because everyone else was doing and because it was the norm and because it was expected. I never particularly had a desire to drink I just did and then I I worked in nightlife I worked in clubs I worked in bars and Mm -hmm. I think slowly but surely and without me even realizing which I think is the kind of dangerous part of it alcohol turned to something that I just did because everyone else was doing to something that I then felt like I became quite reliant on and not necessarily in a physical dependency but in terms of confidence if if I was ever feeling insecure I would drink if I if I was ever feeling stressed I would drink this coping mechanism that hadn't been a coping mechanism before slowly yeah you know unveiled itself as one and then I left uni I went to work in media so I worked in PR I worked in journalism and 
you know, it was lots of parties and free champagne and, and the like. And, and my drinking just started getting a bit out of control, you know, embarrassing myself at work parties, waking up and not knowing how I got home. I really started to suffer with blackouts. So I wouldn't remember large portions of my night. Sometimes like a good four or five hours would just disappear yeah, from memory. Well, yeah. And then it was then it was the effect of my mental health. I was anxious all the time. And I got into this cycle and and what they say is like mental health issues and, you know, substance abuse are quite hard to untangle because I was drinking because I felt anxious and drinking would make me feel less anxious. But then the next day you get a spike in anxiety. So then you just get into this cycle really quickly of drinking to feel less anxious. And I was just really sad, really miserable, really depressed. I was, you know, arguing with my friends and nights out, just creating general havoc and chaos and, I just, I was miserable, but then I went on a night out and I was, um, it was like February 2018. I woke up, I was so hungover. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like the worst hangover I'd ever had or the most stupid thing I'd ever done. And I just, it was like something just switched on. I was like, I just can't do this anymore. I cannot live my life like this every single weekend. And yeah, I never, I never knew if I was going to make it like a forever thing, but I was like, I think I need a good like six months just to get my life together. And and then, yeah, five Mm. years later, here we are. (laughs) Wow. So that's interesting because I always wonder if people find it like so daunting to the point, like if they're going to say, oh, I'm going to do this forever. Like this is a forever thing. If that's so daunting and that's what stops people from even taking a week off or taking a month off because it's just like, oh, no, no, no. Like I'm used to it. I'm used to it. You know, or this is what I do or, you know, it's controlled, but it's, you know, I use it every day. It's like that kind of thing. It's really interesting how people will kind of, um, I guess, justify their use of it, or they think it's in control when it's not, or they think it's in control. But then if they think about actually stopping, it's like, that's actually a bit of a scary thing. It's like, if it's a scary thing, you know, it's probably not good. Yeah. yeah. If you can't just stop, then you are probably a little bit more addicted to it than you think you are. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because people will say like, oh, but it's not like, it's not actual addiction. It's not physical addiction. It's not like, oh, I'm going to wake up and have all these shakes if I don't drink. But it's like, yes, but how you work something into your lifestyle does absolutely affect you. You know, if you are potentially making plans around like, oh, I, you know, I usually take my nights for me, you know, that's usually me time, but it's actually, (laughs) you know, I might be drunk at that point. Then you're not making plans or doing certain things on those nights because you can't like, it's, it really does start to, um, I think, just affect all of your choices. And it can be like a slow burn. And then yeah. people find themselves really quite low in that situation. Yeah, that's what I, I think. One of the things I always say is it doesn't like just a, a, a really big problem with drinking doesn't just occur overnight. It will get into your life slowly and, and build and build. And that's how addiction works in terms of, you know, you have to drink more to get the same effects because your tolerance levels go up. So I always say, I always use the analogy. It's like if you saw a house that was like on fire, you you shouldn't necessarily wait until it's burnt down to do something. Like if you can see that there's, oh, there's a small fire there, actually, I should put it out. Because I think that's, that's the thing with drinking problems is we wait until they get to this like mysterious rock bottom. And unless it's at that point, we're like, oh, it's fine. I'm not that bad. Like I can keep going. But well, do you wait until you are that bad and then do something about it? Like it's, it's yeah, yeah, wow. you, you have to try and tackle it before it gets to that level. 
Yeah, it's so true. Like the amount of times I feel like, yeah, I've heard that or I've seen that, that, oh, it's not that bad, you know, or you were never that bad. And do you think um, the opinions of like friends and family members tie in there as well? Like people will look at others and be like, oh, well, you know, everyone drinks or it's, you know, you were never that bad. You don't need to be sober forever. Like that's a bit dramatic. Have you experienced that at all? Or do you think people do? Yeah, 100%. I think I I used to get it quite a lot because, again, I wasn't Mm. someone who was like waking up and the first thing I was doing was drinking. Everyone was saying, oh, you know, you're not that bad. You're not addicted. But but actually, I was going out every weekend, ruining my life, (laughs) like making myself (laughs) miserable, doing stupid things, upsetting people I loved, waking up, spending my whole weekend like in bed, hungover, miserable. And I wasn't living. And and they they didn't get to see that bit. They saw the bit on a night out, you know, causing a bit of chaos and destruction, but they didn't have to live in my head. They didn't have to be there the next yeah. day when I was like shaking and having an existential crisis and like having, you know, awful thoughts. The, the, they weren't mm-hmm. there during that bit. So I think it's really hard because people just see this like, oh, fun party girl, but they don't really see the full extent of the damage that that drinking is causing so you have to Mm. you have to be really like rooted in your decision when you decide to give up and it is really hard but you have to like basically put like things either side of you that that don't allow opinions to come in because as soon as you do that is often when people are kind of swayed to go back and then start going yeah actually no I wasn't that bad but it, it that bad is is kind of on a spectrum and it's what it means to you to be that bad yeah do you think that it really just comes back to the individual to decide whether or not they think they have a problem like I think some people will tell themselves it's going fine and they don't need to do anything you know because if they actually have to admit to themselves it's a problem then that's a big deal but how do you tell that as as yourself like or as an individual how do you decipher like I need to quit altogether or I need to pull back or do you think there's a way to know yeah I think it's rather than asking like is it a problem just asking is it a problem for me like is is it a problem is it causing problems in my life and Mm. kind of thinking about what your life would look like if you took it out like do you think that your life could improve if you actually took alcohol out of the equation do you think there's a possibility that your mental health could get better that your physical health could get better that your relationships could get better I think looking at those things and yeah just not focusing on comparing your drinking to anyone else's is it a problem Mm. for you is it causing problem in your life because some people can go out every night create chaos wake up wherever and they're fine with that and that's okay but if it's a problem for you and if that's not how you want to live your life then then that's when you maybe need to think about changing your relationship with it right yeah. And when you first started um, deciding that you were thinking, okay, I'm going to quit and I can't be doing this anymore. What were your initial fears around it? Because you mentioned, say, using it for confidence, right? Like, was that a part of it? Was there was there a lot of things you were scared that were going to happen or things you were going to miss out on? Yeah, there were things I was terrified about. I think the confidence was a big one. I think especially when I stopped drinking, I was single. So the thought of going on a date sober at the beginning was absolutely terrifying to me. And I think one of the biggest Mm. things was actually alcohol and being this party girl was 
basically my identity or the identity I'd created for myself was like, you know, I was always the friend you would call if you wanted a night out. I was always the last one on the dance floor. If you said, oh, yeah, your friend Millie, they'd be like, oh, yeah, the one that parties really hard. So I, I kind of had this mm. like, oh, well, when when I stop drinking, who am I going to be? Like, what am I going to be? I just don't know. So, yeah, there, mm. there were so many things. And I think I was worried about feeling isolated, that my friends wouldn't want to hang out with me, that, you know, so, yeah, a lot of fears. So I understand it when people say them to me and I want to be like, you're you're going to be fine, I promise. But I, <laughs> I had those fears and, and it's really hard for someone else to kind of, yeah, quell those, I think, in the moment. Do you feel like any of those fears came true? Like, did you struggle with friends and socialising initially? Yeah, I think initially they kind of it, it is true going on your first sober date is going to be scary and I'm not going to lie and say you know it's wonderful because it's not it's scary but yeah. I think the, the biggest lesson that I've learned is just it is like practice and where I was so reliant on alcohol for confidence I didn't have any confidence of my own because I would say go on a day I'd feel nervous so I would drink and then suddenly I would feel confident but then the next day that confidence doesn't stay with you because you've got it from a bottle it's a synthetic source so what I realized by actually doing a sober date is I really started to build that confidence innately and like within myself I would go after the date and be like oh okay that was fine like you know I, I managed to come up with good conversation topics they think they like me they said they want to see me again and then the next day, I'd be like, okay, cool, I've got this, I can do this. And you just keep building on it. And like, it's easy for me to say now, five years later, but it is, everything is so normal to me to do it without alcohol. It just doesn't even phase me anymore. Whereas at the beginning, everything was terrifying. But now I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've done like 25 sober dates. Like, it's fine. It's just the norm. And I think that's the hardest thing. Like, people want tips and quick fixes for when they first stop drinking but the reality is you just have to you have to practice and you have to just keep going with it mm -hmm. wow that's so cool like that's so interesting to me that your confidence actually grew from there like it wasn't just oh now I have to find how to be confident in a different way it was actually like a billion times better because it was yeah. actually like a real thing and you really prove it to yourself like to me it just feels like you know putting yourself in that uncomfortable situation you're putting yourself in a space where you're able to grow and like I think you know that ties over in so many areas of our lives where we're like willing to put ourselves out there even if it's scary like it can be the best thing that we ever do even with you you know starting your community it's like at first you obviously didn't even put your face on it because you're like yeah. you know I don't know I don't know this isn't me <laughs> you know? you're hiding and then you finally put yourself into it and then I'm sure people from there connect with you so much and obviously it's grown so much too from uh 10,000 so that's amazing yeah well thank you <laughs> That's awesome. It's so good um I want to kind of get into now for people who are thinking of wanting to become sober or sober curious, as you would call it. Um, can we talk about that? Do you talk to a lot of people who are quote unquote sober curious? And what does that mean for you? Yeah, so I think sober curious is a great term that has come in. Um, so it was mm. actually coined by Ruby Warrington, who wrote the book of the same name. And there's a bit of a mixed definition, because I think some people think it means being curious about being full time sober. But the way mm. she kind of uses it is that it's like a forever state. So you never really have to declare yourself as fully teetotal. You're just more of, we call it here, um, like a mindful drinker. So it's 
you know, just being more aware about your drinking patterns and your habits and making sure you're constantly kind of reevaluating your relationship with alcohol and that it's not getting to a point where it's causing you problems. So depending on what way you want to take the meaning, you can, you can take it as being curious about being sober. But I think it's, I think it's great because it's, it's allowing people to, to have that option to, to kind of reevaluate their relationship with alcohol, take time off. And it's, quite a cute fun word I think for people or fun yeah. <laughs> phrase that people can use so yeah I speak to people all the time and I, th- I think it's just great that now people have a term to kind of say how they're feeling of like basically I, I want to maybe experiment with sobriety but I'm not sure if I'm ready to fully commit yet so I, th- I think it's great that that term has, has come in. Right and so that actually I, I love this you're teaching me so please correct me if I say anything <laughs> that's if I don't know your world, girl, so you tell me. Um, but so that's actually not meaning necessarily that people are going to be sober forever, forever. This is, you know, so we're curious is I'm going to take time to acknowledge what my relationship is with alcohol and maybe pull back in some ways, but I'm not actually having to commit to full sobriety, I guess. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's a bit like, have you ever heard the term like flexitarian? Love it, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bit like that. Of like, you, I don't know. You're you're kind of largely a non-drinker, but when when you want to, you may have the odd drink. That's a, the kind of way that mm. Ruby defines her sober curiosity. Yeah, I love that. And honestly, it's interesting because that makes me feel like, oh, okay, maybe I'm allowed to be in the club because I, <laughs> uh, I, I'm I'm that way where I actually, I'll share just a little bit quickly about me. I don't want to talk about me too much, but um, I had a moment a few years ago when I was really struggling and I got into a habit of drinking quite a bit. And for me, it was never at the point where I was like, like you said, like waking up and drinking in the morning or, you know, I, it wasn't, I wasn't even really getting to the point of um, having blackouts or anything. It wasn't necessarily a long-term thing. It was quite short-term, like over a few months. But I did get to the point where I noticed little habits were coming up. Like I was kind of hiding it from people, like hiding that I was drinking maybe more than other people. You know, I was that person who was like, let's get shots. Like I was just, you know, a bit of a pusher. Like it just started to become a bit like not what I wanted to do. And so I did do this similar to this where I decided like, okay, I'm going to take a break. I'm not going to drink for a while. And now like I barely, I really don't drink that much. Like I used to, and so funny in comparison, I used to think, you know, especially during lockdown, oh my God, <laughs> almost yeah. every night it was like, okay, around five o'clock, time to have, you know, my glass of wine, sit down in front of the couch, veg out. And then like you just do it the next day, repeat, repeat, repeat. Um, and, you know, it was so unhealthy for um, my mental health. And I realized like, okay, like I don't want to do that or I don't want this to be part of my routine. You know, I don't want to think of like, yeah, my nights as being like this quiet time where I'm like either by myself at home having a drink where I am actually alone or just with my partner um, or, oh, I need to justify drinking. So now I need to go out to be with friends so that I can drink. Like I realized how much shame there was and how it really was creeping up on me. Um, so it's cool that now I'm at a place where I'm like somewhere um, mixed in there where it's like I can still drink, but I definitely am aware of my relationship with it. And now it's funny because in friends, this is within my friend group and people that I see, like, it's very normalized, but people will say like, oh, I need a drink. And even just that phrase, like, oh, I need a drink. To me, it just, I get a little ping in my stomach because it just makes me scared knowing that that person actually does feel that way. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, if you need a drink, like that's 
let's talk about that, you know, like, and yeah. I never want to shame anyone, but it is, it scares me a little bit because I do understand that feeling. And thankfully I've been able to kind of separate myself from that. And I'm obviously, you know, not there anymore. Thank God. But at the time it does feel like that. It feels like, yeah. you know, oh, I need this thing. I need to use this thing to change my state of mind. But because it's so normalized, it's like not a big deal. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but I would say you're definitely sober curious from what you're saying about your relationship with alcohol. You're definitely in the club. <laughs> Amazing. Well, for people who are, um, I guess, at this point right now, maybe they're listening and they're like, oh, wow, this actually is something that I think is a bit of a, you know, a quote unquote problem for me, or this is something that I want to change in my life or maybe adjust in some ways because I want to like bring up the quality of my life. In your perspective are there like first steps is there an, any initial things you need to do to like get going with this yeah so the, the first piece of advice I always give is that I don't think you can change your relationship with alcohol until you actually understand your relationship with alcohol so I think it's asking yourself the questions the big one is why why do you drink like do you drink because everyone else drinks do you drink because it makes you more confident. Do you drink because you think that you can only have interesting conversations with people? So getting to the root of why you drink. And then kind of like, who do you drink around? Like, are there um, are there friends that always make like snide comments about you and that, that makes you want to drink? Or, you know, family members constantly asking you why you're not engaged yet. And does that make you want to drink? And, and, you know, the where question, are there places that you drink more than you want to? So just like the who, what, where, why, all of those. Just get really kind of curious about your relationship we have a journaling course not to plug it but at sober girl society which has got like loads of these if you don't want to you know freehand it. it and you want to just go through <laughs> questions it's it's quite good because and it, it asks yourself questions like you know what would my life look like if I stopped drinking you know what, what why would I choose to do it like what do I think the, the barriers are going to be do I think there's going to be certain friends that are going to, you know, be funny about it? So just working out all of those questions, I think, is understanding your relationship with alcohol is the first kind of port of call to changing it. And then I think absorbing yourself in this, like, corner of the internet that has just exploded over the last few years that is dedicated to sober curiosity, sobriety. So whether that is yeah. books, podcasts, you know, bloggers, influencers, there's, there's so much out there that is available in terms yeah. of resources and so much of it free as well, which is just fantastic. And then the third thing I would say is, is try and find like-minded people. And yeah. I don't think that necessarily needs to be a sober community, especially if you're kind of, they're still in that sober curious realm but if say you know your friends are just going out every weekend drinking and you actually want to do something different maybe join a hiking group or a running group or a knitting group like whatever you want to do so, sorry knitting yeah. group sounds really boring doesn't it but you know oh, a I group basically <laughs> <laughs> anything you want to do um is to kind of find like-minded people and and try and start doing things that don't necessarily revolve around alcohol yeah, I really love that. I think that's so good what you said, not just, um, you know, trying to specifically go out and go clubbing, but without alcohol. Like, I think people think that, you know, you think, okay, let's go, you know, prove that we can do that thing that we love when we're drunk, <laughs> but we're going to do it sober. But it's like, sometimes you go into those spaces and you realize like, oh, this is actually like, not necessarily a space I would be in if I wasn't drinking because yeah. it's a lot or it's loud or it's sweaty or I don't like this is this, this like I kind of went through that as well where I at one point was just like 
I don't like going out, like quote unquote, going out. Like I don't like clubbing. I don't like, you know, that lifestyle. And it was so frustrating for me because I was always like, if I don't have friends like that do other things, then this is like what I have to do with my time. And I always felt like I was wasting, you know, my time, my money, like Mm. so much. And like you said, like even making mistakes, having these like regrets and just feeling really frustrated. And obviously, you know, you had a longer journey with that, but I think it was just, it's interesting to me to hear that there are other ways to go about it than just forcing yourself to do the same damn thing, but like yeah. sober. <laughs> yeah. I think what I realized is like, I don't know if you felt the same, but I just became a lot pickier with like where I would go out. So like when I was drinking, yeah. you could drop me in a warehouse in the middle of nowhere at some dodgy rave. And I'd be like, this is great. I'm having the best time. Whereas now yeah. I think I'm like, okay, I like clubs that have got good music that I like, that I have yeah. like, it's not too loud so I can speak to my friends. They have really good non-alcoholic yeah. options. So it's not it's not that I never go out, but I also don't just go out every single weekend like I used to. I think it's more about finding that balance of, you know, going out and also not going out. <laughs> totally. No, I always say like, I basically just run a daycare all day for myself. Like that's what I do yeah. at home. Like, I, love, I love the arts and crafts. Like I love the music. I love, like that's what I, you know, I'm, I'm a very chill person. And so like, yeah. I, you know, as I could, you know, I could go out here and there for a little boogie with my friends, but it's not something that I would do on like a regular basis. And so it's just, it is really nice and encouraging to like see not just you, but obviously because you've created this community now an example in so many different people's lives, like what it looks like to live that way consistently. Because I think when you're so wrapped up in it, when you're so wrapped up in, you know, that friend group or a certain lifestyle, it just seems like almost impossible at the start. Like it seems like, you know, oh, I'm not going to do that. Like it just seems like out of the picture, you know, but it it really can be um, like the best option, the best thing that you could do if you, you know, are there and you're like, okay, yes, I'm ready, you know? Yeah. And you have to be ready. I think that's the thing because so many people I think aren't aren't ready yet. And that's fine. Like the time will come. Yeah. And you know what? You mentioned about family and uh, friends and how it can be frustrating and you might have to have some frustrating conversations or you might feel a bit judged at the start. What did that look like for you? Did you feel that? Yeah, it was it was really interesting actually. I always say my friends were were kind of a bit ambivalent in terms of there was no strong reaction either way. And I think looking back now, it's because they didn't believe that I was going to do it. So I don't think <laughs> they, you know, they all were like, yeah, yeah, cool. Like let's just let her get it out of her system. And then I remember I was going on holiday with my friend. We were going traveling, and she was like, oh, you are going to drink while we're away though, aren't you? And I by this point, I'd not drunk for like six months. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm not. And then I, I kind of saw the realisation dawn on her. But I think by that point it was too late because I think they were like, oh, well, you know, we've seen that she's happier. We've seen that she's, like, enjoying her life more. I think they, they felt at that point they couldn't really say anything. So I was really lucky in that respect that I didn't get too much harsh judgment. The, the judgment I tend to get tends to be from strangers, which is... Really? Yeah, like if I'm, I don't know, if I'm away and we end up talking to like a group of people and they say, oh, like, do you want to drink? And I'm like, oh, no, I don't drink. That's when I get the comments of like, oh, God, how boring. Or, 
yeah, I think mm. I think it's the strangers that seem to have the strongest opinion, which which is funny. So, but I, I it doesn't bother me. I think it did at the beginning, but I honestly couldn't yeah. care less. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and I think it's interesting. I'm like, how are people so out of touch that like you couldn't be appropriate enough to understand that like there are so many reasons why someone might not drink, like just so yeah. many. Like you you really never know, like someone's mental health, someone's physical health, you know, everything. There's so many different things and. Yeah, that that bothers me. I'm like, I hate that. I hate people. Yeah, <laughs> like, what the yeah. yeah. I know people. Oh, wow. People well, just have their opinions, and and that's fine. Yeah. But yeah, not for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think too, like I always wonder if people can be more reactive if they think, oh, that's insane, and like I should do that, but I'm not going to do that, so I'm just going to say that this is crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't like to always, you know, cast this aspersion, but I do think a lot of it is that you're holding a mirror up to their drinking. And I only really know this because that's how I used to react. If, you know, if you yeah. wanted to go home early or they weren't drinking quick enough, I took that as like, oh God, I'm I'm gonna be really drunk. They're gonna see how drunk I am. And, you know, them drinking normalized my drinking. So when when yeah. people say things to me, I'm like, just you wait. In a few years you'll be asking me for my sobriety <laughs> tips. <laughs> They'll be reading your book like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, can you tell us about, tell us about the book and how that came about? Yeah, of course. So the Sober Girls Society Handbook is the book. Um, and there's there's some amazing, don't get me wrong, sobriety books out there, a fantastic load. But there, there wasn't for me anything that A, was kind of targeted at a slightly younger demographic, and be one that really focused in on mental health because I think that was like my biggest kind of thing. Um, and so I wanted to write a book that wasn't necessarily like there's lots of tips and advice for quitting drinking. But for me, the hardest part after like stopping was actually navigating life as a person who didn't drink. So, so mm. much of the book is tailored to like, you know, my tips for going to a wedding sober or bottomless brunch sober or festival sober, mm. all those things, you know, sober dating is a big one, sober sex is a big one. So it, it's really like a, an actual handbook. It does what it says on the cover of like advice and tips of how you can navigate these situations, how you can have those conversations with your friends, what to do with peer pressure. So yeah, it's um, wow. it's quite a just tips and advice really there's there's everything I know that I've learned about being a a sober human in a very boozy world (laughs) (laughs) that's so beautiful oh I love that and so many things that you just mentioned I was like I didn't even think about that like sober (laughs) sex oh my god like that initial like sexual encounter with someone you know being sober like it is such a different experience like wow did you do you find that that's a good thing like now you know after now where you are do you now look at it and go oh my gosh I can't believe that I'm you know missed out on this or do you feel like it's a mix of two things are you in two minds about it like where are you at yeah I think it's a mix of a mix of two things because I think it's no matter with a lot of things that you can practice they get easier but I think with sober sex if you're doing it with a new person it doesn't matter how many times you practice sober sex for the first time it's still awkward with someone for the first time so that's the only time I'd say it's it's slightly different so mm. it is always a bit scary but I do think in such a like it sounds really wishy-washy but I've, I feel like really present and in my body during sober sex mm. and it is a totally different experience for me I think and I think I 
I have to I feel quite like connected to the person that I'm having sex with I think when I'm when I'm sober so it is is a totally different experience but I have really learned to enjoy it and that is now definitely how I would always prefer to have sex but I I think younger me would be like what is she talking about Mm, well, yeah, because it's interesting because I talk a lot about um, sexual wellness across like the mm. podcast and TikTok and whatever. And I've had so many people, I've heard this piece of advice when um, women are struggling with their libido or they're struggling to become wet during sex or whatever it is, the piece of advice literally that people have gotten from their doctors and from people in the field is like, have a glass of wine, have a glass, yes. it'll loosen you up, you know, it'll, it'll even make your body respond and, you know, start to create that environment to be having sex yeah. in like and I'm always like so shocked when I hear that people are getting this piece of advice from professionals in this field because it is so normalized to the point that you have a doctor telling you like oh let's put toxins in your body <laughs> like you know yeah. what I mean? let's put this thing in your body to get you to want that thing it's crazy to me like it's so normalized yeah, and also kind of incorrect because so alcohol dehydrates you. So the the science is that actually it's harder for you to get wet if you if you've been drinking, and yeah. also you so say orgasms are like made in the brain, and alcohol can affect your brain. So actually, it's harder for people to orgasm. So it, yeah. it's crazy to me that they would kind of give out that advice. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, and that's so exactly what you've just said. Like, it actually can do the opposite. And it's so silly. All of these things, especially that we learn about sex, or I should say we don't learn about sex, um, how it affects us down the road. And then we're making these weird decisions to try to, like, fix yeah. our sex lives or fix our relationships. And it just, you know, doesn't actually um, do it. Wow, that's so yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah, there's a a Shakespeare quote that I wrote in the book. And I might be butchering it now, but it's something like alcohol provokes the desire but takes away the performance. So basically, the theory is that alcohol, yes, it could make you a little bit hornier, which is why the doctors are probably prescribing it for people with low libido. But when it actually comes to the performance of the whole thing, it's it's not going to help. It, it takes away the performance. So it might get you yeah. in the mood, but then the actual thing will probably be a letdown. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, that's a very common experience that people have with alcohol in general, like the night before, you know, thinking you looked so hot on the dance yeah. floor. Or whatever, <laughs> and then like seeing a video or something the next day and being like, <gasps> like, yeah. it, can be, yeah. it can be a shocking experience. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even like that, you know, you really think you're doing something in the moment and then you're really not. <laughs> no, no. Agreed. And about your book, like when people have gone through your book and worked through it, do you feel like they've realized that there was more to why they were drinking? Do you think there are a lot of deeper layers that people will start to uncover as they go into the, the sobriety or even being sober curious? Yeah, definitely. I think because the book touches on so many different topics that I think you don't think about how, you know, it can affect yeah. you. So like even... I, I only kind of delved into it briefly, but with like alcohol and spirituality and about how there's ideas around alcohol, you know, poking holes in your aura and lowering your vibration. So your intuition oh, yeah. isn't as good and things like that. And I think then people are like, oh, yeah, actually, like I kind of get that. And, you know, I didn't really think about a lot of the money aspect of drinking, although I'd kind of spent a lot of money on alcohol I didn't think about all the other things really that kind of come with it and the the amount the indirect amount of things that I'd spent and you know why I was thinking that alcohol was good for my mental health when it wasn't I think I think there's so many 
things that you could go through and be like, oh, yeah, actually, that is happening to me. And I have just kind of brushed it over the car- under the carpet. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I think that it's so easy for people to be like avoidant with things. (laughs) You know, it's so easy to just kind of like, yeah, brush things away and really try to, I guess, diminish something so that you don't have to see the reality of something. Because I think a lot of the time people will be so defensive, like if this defensive, uh, like, oh, but I'm not a, you know, I'm not an alcoholic or like, oh, I don't have a problem. Or they, they think that, you know, oh, there'd be something so innately wrong with them, or, you know, there must be something going on with them. But sometimes it really comes down to like very specific things like lifestyle or just like who you're around. And I think that advice that you gave was so good on being aware of like who you're around and doing the who, what, where, when, why (laughs) kind of questions, because it really, really does help you like analyze your situation. I love that. Um, when you stopped drinking, when you would go out, I know you post heaps about like um, mocktails and all of that. Can you talk about that and how you got into it? And if you love it now, if you hate it, do you find it annoying? Where are we at? Yeah. Yeah. So I think my relationship with alcohol for drinks has really changed over the years. I think when I first stopped drinking, there actually wasn't much around five years ago. So it Mm. wasn't something that I kind of got straight into. But then as they started emerging, like it was so exciting for me as a person who was like a year sober to hear that they were bringing out the world's first alcohol-free spirit. And I was like, oh my God, this is like amazing. So I kind of got in there from the very beginning in getting interested in it because all this stuff just started like coming out and felt like it was tailored just for me because I felt like I was the only person who wasn't drinking. So (laughs) I was like, this is great. So I've really got into them over the last few years. I think some of them are just doing things on a different level and you know now there's there's everything from spirits wine beer and they're all getting really good and I I love seeing the things that people come out with I think it's great I just think the the kind of invention of some of them is is brilliant and some of the brands are really lovely and it's just really exciting every time a new one gets launched I'm like I can't wait to try it so yeah it's become a bit of a passion now so I love and we're very lucky in the UK the movement is like really kind of taking force which is great so that we've got so many options here yeah. So obviously, yeah, you're in the um, like you're in the UK and you have this community and everything. What are you doing um, with the community? Like, do you guys meet up or are the events? Yeah, so we have events. So we have virtual events. So every Saturday we have um, a sober or sober curious club. So people can come on a Zoom call and just basically chat like this and talk about, you know, their tips and things they've struggled with this week. So I'm always very clear we're not a recovery program we are a community so it's not you know one person standing up saying this is what you need to do it's just people sharing and and talking and then we have in real life events so we have things like boozeless brunches we do regular like mixes and then my favorite event that we do so it sounds really silly but like one of the biggest things that people said to me like when or, or say to me when they're saying oh they couldn't give up alcohol is they say I couldn't get on a dance floor sober so I was like okay mm-hmm. right if this is such a big problem let's rectify it so we started doing these dance classes which basically helped to you know give women the confidence yeah. to get on a dance floor sober so they're like basic choreography we just all get in a room and it's amazing because people come into the room and they are so nervous and so terrified <laughs> and then they leave so sassy and like really confident <laughs> and empowered and I just love Love seeing like the transformation it's just amazing to me so that that's one of um the best events that I think we do 
I love that. That's so cool. I remember once I went to like a pole dancing class and I remember showing up and being like, I don't know, you just think like, oh, I'm going to feel so like sexy. And I got there and I was like, oh my God. I was like, I'm so scared, you know, but you really get into it. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Pole is so hard though. I've tried pole and it is so hard. They make it look so easy and it is not. Isn't it crazy? Like you, it looks so um, elegant, you know, it looks yeah. so like light and then you do it and it's like meant to hurt. Like I remember yeah. I had my hands on the pole and she was like, yep, like swing, you know, your leg around here, like hook around and then the other one swings around as well. And that leg goes straight. And I like felt like I was doing it wrong. And she said to me, oh, you should feel a pinching feeling like in yeah. your inner thigh. <laughs> And I was like, what do you mean? I should feel like I'm in pain. Like, what are you talking about? And I literally had like a bruise the next day, like on my inner knee, like on my ankle. And I was yeah. like, oh my God, like how do people live like this? Like, yeah, crazy. it is so hard, so hard. hard. So people, if they come to your events, they don't have to worry about pole dancing just yet? No, no. We are doing a burlesque event in February, actually, but no poles. Oh my gosh, I love that. And I, and I love that you have a community like locally and obviously you'd have a really like a nice sized community there. Um, and then you do something as well for people globally because like I would love to hop on a call and, you know, just talk to people. And I love it. I love the idea of hearing about how other people are working around it because I do find like there is shame sometimes to talk about these things with your friends. Like I think people are scared to like cross that threshold of saying to anybody like oh I think you know I might want to like slow down on drinking or I might want to take some like a week off or even you know take a month off I think people sometimes think oh if I make people think that there's something going on with me then oh there's shame around you know my mental health or whatever going on do you have any advice to that like if you are going and telling people for the first time like oh I'm going to take some time off or I think I'm you know thinking about sobriety or so being sober curious or whatever um do you have any advice for someone in that place yeah I think I think always being really honest and vulnerable is is the best way if you feel like you can be I think when I first kind of approach telling my friends I just kind of said oh like I I know I look like I'm having a really good time but actually like drinking is kind of making me really miserable and I'd really love it if you could like support me I think when you approach people with honesty and with vulnerability you will just get love back if those people really care about you and if they don't give you love back it is a hard one because I think you you will get some negative reactions and some people are like oh you know cut them off straight away which I don't think it, it should always be the case because I think sometimes people do, it is their automatic reaction because it's alcohol is so normalised. So mm. that is their like gut reaction is, oh no, you can't do that. And then I think, you know, they take time to come around and it's likely they will come around. So I think, you know, you have to just put it out there and then what comes back comes back and then you just see how it kind of goes so I think yeah but but being honest I think is is the best thing you can do and you know asking mm. for help is is such a brave thing to do I think you know anyone who loves you will will kind of respect that yeah I think that's so good so true and you know if you do have somebody in your life who isn't supportive about, you know, this, then what are they supportive about? You know what I mean? Like this is saying, this is, you know, this is my mental health. This is something that I need to prioritize. And I think anyone who, you know, is in your life should want you to prioritize your mental health, prioritize you and would want to stand there um, with you as well. So yeah. Wow. 
Well, I wanted to ask you one last question before we head out today. Just wanted to see your top three favorite things that you are loving about being sober. And if there are three things that could convince somebody like you can do this, what are those three things? Oh, the three things I love about being sober. Okay, so my my mental health is just so much better, I think. And I don't want anyone to think, oh, yeah, you stop drinking and your mental health's great. But I think it, when I took alcohol away, it allowed me to actually address the problems that were underneath. So I got mm. myself to therapy. I started, you know, doing things that were better for my mental health. So for me, like, I love being calm and consistent. So that's, like, the biggest one for me. Um, number two is I love having more money. I, I actually spend money on things that I really want and like have nice clothes and and all the things. And I, I, I will sometimes buy things that I think are a little bit more expensive than I would normally pay. But then I'm like, the amount of money that I used to waste on alcohol, I always mm-hmm. feel like I can justify it. So that's, that's always a good thing. Um, and then the last thing I think is the relationships that I have with the people I love. I think I was always such a shit flaky friend you know Mm. I would cause drama on nights out and arguments and then I would miss things the next day because I was hungover I would turn up to like birthday parties hungover and baby showers hungover and (laughs) I think now I'm such a reliable friend and like my friend got married last year and um, I was a bridesmaid and I got all the jobs because I was reliable and they knew that I was the one who could be trusted and that for me is like I was never that person. So that right. feels really great. So yeah, the relationships that I have with with my friends and family, I think are, yeah, so much better. That's so beautiful. And it's so nice that you can be that person for somebody. Like it's nice that you can be grounding for somebody and just knowing that you can provide that in like any space that you go to. Like um, I've heard you say this before as well on your social media, but even just like you never have to worry about um, like driving and how you're going to get places. Like you're always able to, you know, you're going to get home safe. You know, you don't have to worry about it. And even, even just that on a regular basis, if you're wondering, you know, oh, I have to make sure I get home safe or, oh, I have to plan my life this way or that way. Even that little bit of anxiety happening on a consistent basis, like that's just one example of how much, um, alcohol can bring like negative mental health effects to your life. So yeah, absolutely. Wow. Well, thank you so, so much. Thank you so, so much for coming on today and for sharing all your wisdom. Like I just so appreciate everything that you do. Like, I feel like the community, like I've said probably a million times now is just like the best thing in the world. And you have become that, like you've become that supportive person, not just for your community, but now for my community as well. And of course, you're going to keep expanding, you're going to keep growing. And I just like, wish you the best in all the things that you are doing and everything um, with the handbook and everything, because I just know that it is serving such a beautiful purpose. So thank you for existing. You're the best. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for existing and for having me. It's so lovely to talk to you. And if we can come and find you and find the handbook, where should we go? Yeah, so uh, the best two places, probably Instagram, I'd say. So it's at Millie Gooch if you want to come and see me. It's mainly pictures of like my dog and mock showers. And then (laughs) Sober Girl Society for the community. So on Instagram. Beautiful. Love that. Thank you so much. And everything will be linked below for you guys as well. Thank you so much, Millie. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you. (laughs) 